Good evening, everyone. Episode 117, March 11th, 7.10 p.m., and it's Thursday. Thursday, 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 almost Friday, almost the weekend. Thank God I am going to have a good weekend. I am going to throw my phone in the toilet. That's not true. I don't want that to happen. I'm just going to turn off my phone. No phone, no work, stepping away, unplugging, which basically means I'll just be on my computer and iPad checking my email the whole time. Phone, I, 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 I found my pencil. This is the original. Do you guys remember? This is the first one. The one where I dragged my nail across here and dented it and like just destroyed the tip of the pencil because when I do my show, I need to be distracted. That OCD kicks in. This is it, folks. This is my pencil. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Let's see if I can do this trick. A magician I am not. But what I am is a person who's going to talk about a couple things tonight that you might find funnier than that. I am most assured that you will. Daylight Savings Time, a satanic ritual cult created by pagans in the early 13th century who murdered women and children and kittens and puppies, created, that's all a lie, that's not true, but it should have been, that should be the story. Pagan, people against good and niceness, Dragnet, Tom Hanks, Dan Aykroyd, wasn't that good, but it, was, it, had, it had a couple moments. Daylight savings time. It's evil. And I'm going to tell you why tonight. And I'm going to go through why it is the worst ritual besides the Mayans, Aztecs, and Incans slaughtering people on top of ancient pyramids. Something good came of that, by the way. The blood and the fat of the human body would run down to the river. And as natural irrigation would take place, the lye from the human fat would mix and get caught up and create a very soapy-like mixture. And when certain civilizations would go down to the water and wash their hands in the river, they would get clean, better than other parts in the river, and that was because of the human sacrifice. So every time you're rubbing zest or dial on your body or dove, remember, human fat is what created that wonderful, wonderful, soapy, frothy concoction that you wash your body with. And innocent people were murdered and slaughtered to sacrifice to gods that did not exist just so you could keep yourself clean. Think about that, folks. Daylight savings time. We're going to go into useless facts like that when it comes to DST. And I'll tell you why it's horrible. I'm also going to celebrate the one-year anniversary, 365 days of the 14-day effort to stop the spread and flatten the curve. You guys remember that? Flatten the curve. We're going to flatten the curve. 14 days, all it's going to take, it'll be over. Then we're going to go ahead and do what? Kill all the small businesses, put people in debt, go ahead and bankrupt everybody. All of those things are, in fact, a part of this one-year anniversary. We're going to see if we learned anything because we've been sitting here talking about it for so long. Every day, all these new things to stop COVID. And really, truly, the only thing that's going to stop COVID is time and human resistance. And we're seeing that. A lot of the states that actually opened up and said, forget it, let's get through the tough patch, are doing so much better than the rest of the country. 
And we are going to find out something from this. And the question is, will we learn anything at all? And Lord, I hope we do. So it never happens again. You know, I told you I hate daylight savings. There's a lot of reasons why. And I was asked about it today. There's another thing I was asked about before we go there is uh, my boss is bosses, plural. Adam and Brian were FaceTiming me and they were driving the old vehicle. And uh, they had a question. Brian goes, hey, I watched your episode. I heard you want $100 for advertising. The answer is yes, most assuredly I do. But tonight, I think we're going to get a little bit more. I've got two logos on here that are important to you, Brian, and I think that's worth at least $10 more. I also realized another thing is that I've got another logo on my back wall. So I'm going to do a hard, fast $120 a month, and I promise, and I swear, I will never mention Valor again on this show until you pay me. I will not do something like, ladies and gentlemen, please stop by to www.valorhome.com where you can get a brand new kitchen, a bathroom, roofing, and it's made by veterans as we raise the roof every 90 days for combat veterans. God bless America. God bless you. And most importantly, Valor Home, honor, respect, and trust. Make it 125, Brian. And here's the other thing. He also said something. Facebook is being a bunch of Nazi clowns as always. They finally have lifted the ban on me advertising. Thanks so much, Facebook. I really appreciate it. I hit 10,000 followers and 60,000 hours of videos viewed. You think that I could monetize now? Nope. They stopped it. You remember that copyright claim I had about six months ago? My, so- my pencil's looking like a sword. It's like Errol Flynn over here. Squirrel. Okay, so Facebook through that copyright claim, that crazy company, which I don't remember what their name was. I won that battle. My video was back up 30 minutes later. They did it again for that little plane that I showed you in the turbine that was on fire. They didn't own a copyright to that. That was a civilian, every news agency in the country. It's fair use, fair media rights, but no, no Facebook guarantee. They flagged me. I'm a troublemaker. They know it. I send my ads in sneaky deaky and they've listened to the content. I'm sure. And I've been flagged as a problem site went ahead and supported the copyright claim so they can ban me. So now I've got to be careful. I've got to ensure that I'm not using videos that aren't mine, that aren't fair use and images and things like that. So I will continue to be cautious of this so these Nazi propagandist pricks can't ban my channel. Because if that happens, how will you ever find me again? Sounds very lonely. But Brian said something, and he was like, hey, man, the reason why they're doing that is because you're too one-sided. Now, I think he was trying to just poke the bear a little bit. And I will tell you, he's right. I am one-sided. Now, I've defended Biden, but remember this. During the election, I was the man without a country. Even my listeners were turning on me saying, Donald Trump's going to take over this election. He's going to find stolen votes. And I said, no, no, it won't happen. And everyone hated me for it. So... That is kind of defending the left since that was their position is that it wouldn't be overturned for the wrong reasons. I felt it was a constitutional conflict and not what they were going after with stolen ballots and dominion servers and things. I've defended Joe Biden. He's my president. I've said it openly. And anyone who says he doesn't is a crazy person. The Republicans who are turning over their flags, I think they need to stop. I've called out things, but I will tell you this. I am most assuredly in the corner of Republicans at this point, because there is only one party that doesn't want to trample the Constitution. And no matter how ill-conceived and a bunch of knuckleheads that are in the Republican Party, which there are a ton, mind you, there are more on the left. So I am here to tell you, I am coming out of that proverbial closet. 
If you don't know yet, I'm a conservative. Wow. Everyone take a second. Take a breath. Military, white male, 46 years old, works for a construction company. I know. It's a stretch. How did you ever know? Now you know. He's right. I am a little one-sided, but it can change because, remember, 2014, I was avidly against the Republicans and the Tea Party that they were a bunch of racist zealots, and I couldn't stand them, what they were doing to the LBGTQ community. I thought it was wrong. So it can change, folks, like the weather. These are the days of our lives. So people keep asking me, what do you think of daylight savings time? Of course, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'll tell you why. But when they say, Matt, what do you really think of the return to daylight savings time tonight? And I just say, hey, I'm not losing any sleep over it. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for stopping by. My name is Matt with Don't Unfriend Me. It's wonderful to have you. I am your host. I will be walking you through this excursion, talking about daylight saving time, having a conversation about Dr. Fauci and COVID and the anniversary. So daylight savings time and COVID and what we've learned from it, if anything at all. So bear with me, stay with me, and remember that you can like, subscribe, share, and all of that fantastic stuff right here by clicking that red envelope on YouTube or going to any of my social media pages and signing up. Just give me a like, follow, and share. Any type of meme, video, whatever. Comments also help. I had a really great comment on YouTube today about my episode last night. I love answering those, and I just ask that you listen to what I have to say. Don't apply it to you if it doesn't mean it's you, and don't unfriend me. Let's dive into it. Americans are about to spring forward. I always get it mixed up. Here's the thing. Spring forward, jump forward, fall back. That's how I remember it. I think everyone remembers it that way, and I think we all learned that in kindergarten. If I surprised you, I apologize. If you said, wow, that is the greatest thing I've ever heard, I will never forget I made it up. And if you've heard this a million times already, then just move along and use it as a healthy reminder to tell yourself to spring forward this week and lose that precious hour that we all will take a month getting used to. When we adjust our daylight savings time, I understand you Arizona people just shut up. We don't want to hear it. We get it. I think there's someone else, maybe Oregon or something. There's another place that doesn't do daylight. We don't care. Blow it out your ass. We know you're great. Okay, it's the only thing you can say. I'm from Arizona and we don't have daylight savings time. Yeah, yeah, well, you still live in Arizona. So you have a better chance of getting poked by a cactus as you do being kidnapped by a Mexican gang across the border. I'm jealous. I lived in Arizona. I loved not having DST. It was fantastic, and I hope it goes away. There are a group of lawmakers, predominantly Republicans, who wants to make it the last clock change ever this spring. A bipartisan bill has been introduced in the Senate to keep DST so that come November, every fall, the residents of 70 countries worldwide move their clocks back an hour. Six months later, they move their clocks forward. 
an hour. 70 places in the country do this. These lawmakers want to impact the United States. And I'm a little bummed out because if they get it passed here, we won't get our hour back ever. I will lose an hour's sleep for the rest of my life. So can we do this? Can we just change it to spring forward? The next day, go to fall back. Then go to spring forward and just call it good, but do it at like 11 o'clock so we don't lose an hour. Even if we still lose an hour, just confuse the living hell out of us so we feel like we gain something out of this. Really? Something. That would be wonderful. This ridiculous practice is known as daylight savings time. Why do we do this? Most Americans would say this was practice that was invented by Benjamin Franklin as a way to help out farmers. But when asked how exactly changing the clock helps farmers, most would lapse into a confused silence. In fact, there is no good reason why we continue to observe DST because the practice ultimately does way more harm than good. The invention of DST is often credited to Ben Franklin, which is not true, when in fact the idea of daylight savings occurred to several people independently and Ben Franklin made a joke about it in jest about candles and had nothing positive to say about this. The story goes, though, that Franklin, who usually slept until noon, was rudely awakened at 6 a.m. by a blinding stream of sunlight coming through his window. He had forgotten to close the shutters the night before. It's awfully specific. Does the sun always rise this early, Franklin wondered. (laughs) Because he was just born on this planet. He hadn't been alive for any time at all. I mean, he just woke up and this happened. And was shocked to realize that by sleeping until noon, he was effectively wasting six hours of daylight. He was inspired to write a semi-satirical proposal to save daylight and calculated that waking at dawn would save the residents of Paris approximately $200 million in, in, in candle purchases. Franklin was mostly joking. His calculations assumed that every partisan slept, uh, Parisian slept until 1 p.m., an exaggeration that served as a pretty good own on France. But the idea of saving daylight started to catch on in earnest more than a century later. In 1907, William Willette, an English architect, came up with the idea to spring forward and fall back. This is another reason why I hate the English. This practice, he claimed, brought a myriad of benefits. For example, with more sunlight in the evening, the populace was likely to go outside for exercise and gain all of the benefits of physical activity and fresh air. He calculated the energy savings of his plan, and like Franklin's, it came up with $200 million in today's dollars and cents. Willett advocated unceasingly for his daylight saving plan in Parliament. It finally became law in 1917, two years after Willett's death. I would like to say it was probably an assassination because I want to kill him and I don't even know the man. DST was finally codified into law in Europe and the United States due to World War I. The faint possibility that DST might free up any amount of money that could be spent instead of the war effort meant that politicians could easily push DST through the legislature in a name of patriotism. Wow, things haven't changed, have they? We're going to spy on Americans because of the Patriot Act. We're going to make daylight savings time. Spy on us all you want. Just don't change our damn hours of sleep. Daylight savings time was a byproduct of World War I era jingoism and has remained ingrained in our society. Jingoism is basically doing things in the name of patriotism when it has nothing to do with patriotism for those of you who are not walking thesauruses. In our society for over a century, the benefits touted by the original proponents of DST, energy conservation, increased physical activity of the population, and support for farmers are still touted today. The problem is that in reality, these benefits are questionable at best and actually harmful at worst. Here are the benefits of DST. 
Waking up earlier might have saved Ben Franklin some money on candlelight, but there is no evidence that DST saves Americans money in energy costs today. One 2007 literature review conducted by Canada's National Research and Technology Organization found that at best, DST reduces Canadian national electricity usage by less than 1%. However, one 2017 meta-analysis of 44 different studies from across the United States and Europe found that DST doesn't save any amount of energy whatsoever, and a study of Indiana's 2006 adoption of DST found that DST actually wastes energy. There is also no evidence that DST increases physical activity, at least not amongst Americans, because nothing can make that happen. The conventional wisdom is that people would take advantage of an extra hour of daylight in the evenings by going outside, enjoying nature, and exercising. DST even seems to be cause of TV ratings to decline in theory because the time shift entices every couch potato to head outdoors and soak up the extra hour of sun. However, a 2014 study of 23,000 children found that DST increases the physical activity of Australian and European children by a very small amount, but has no effect on the physical activity of American children. Another 2014 study showed from the University of Utah confirmed that DST had no effect on the physical activity of adult residents of Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah. When given an extra hour of sunshine, people are far more likely to go out shopping than to go outside. The idea that DST is somehow beneficial to farmers has persisted for over 100 years. However, farmers have been against DST since the beginning. In 1917, the Boston Chamber of Commerce launched a campaign lobbying for DST, circulating a pamphlet that laid out the benefits that DST would bring for all. Ten of these benefits were specific to farmers, and they were complete nonsense. Quote, Fruit and vegetables and many agricultural products handled early in the morning are far superior to those which the sun has been shining on for some time. The pamphlet stated confidently, Obviously, the time at which you handle a fruit has no impact on its quality, and farmers in 1917 were just as baffled by this bizarre proclamation as they were by the idea to enter DST time. Farmers arose in the sun regardless of the time and displayed on their alarm clocks. DST would only mean that a 7 a.m. delivery of fresh milk would now be expected at 6 a.m. Not only would farmers have to wake up even earlier than usual, but their cows, who were accustomed to being milked every 12 hours, would not be able to produce as much milk immediately after the time shift. In 1926, the Massachusetts State Grange even sued the state of Massachusetts, claiming that DST had cost farmers $20 million. In short, DST has no benefits whatsoever for farming, just as it has no benefits whatsoever for energy conservation or physical activity. It's harmful to your health. DST, but it also causes a lot of harm to health in some surprising ways. Your sleep cycle is governed by your innate circadian, 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 circadian rhythm, circadian, circadian rhythm, which is controlled in part by the sunlight you receive throughout the day. When the clocks change, this circadian rhythm is disrupted, causing sleep deprivation. Basically, DST gives the entire world jet lag twice a year. Even the coveted extra hour of sleep that DST grants us in the fall can mess with our sleep schedule and cause some serious side effects, like a pissed-off mother who yells at everybody because she can't acclimate for more than 30 days. Olivia. The sleep disruptions that DST brings in both the fall and spring can be highly stressful to your body. This is why DST time shifts are associated with a sharp uptick in both strokes and heart attacks. DST is also associated with an increased 
In car accidents, moderate sleep deprivation can cause cognitive and motor impairment equivalent to having a blood alcohol concentration of 0.05%. Essentially, after the clocks change, everyone on the roads during your morning commute has had a drink or two, basically, is what it's saying. Right. This combined with the confusion that many ensue when drivers suddenly have to drive in light conditions they're not used to complete darkness or dazzling sunlight significantly increases the number of car accidents that occur immediately after the time shifts and for a week or more afterwards which is 100 true one 2016 study from the american economic journal found that a fatal car accident associated with dst have an annual 275 million dollar social cost DST can also affect health in ways that are harder to measure. For example, evidence shows that DST severely impacts mental health. Sleep deprivation can cause or exacerbate many mental health disorders, including depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, and ADHD, and vice versa. That's one reason why sticking to a regular sleep schedule is hugely important. Not a lot of scientific studies have been conducted on the link between DST and psychiatric problems, but one influential 2008 study found a significant increase in suicide rates in the weeks following the fall time shift compared to the rest of the fall season. The changes in sunrise and sunset times and the sudden shock to the circadian rhythm that go along with DST time shifts can also have a severe impact on people with seasonal affective disorder, SAD. SAD, also known as seasonal depression, or the rather patronizing term, the winter blues, is a form of depression that occurs seasonally, most often during the winter. At first, SAD can seem made up or overblown. Don't we all get a bit bummed out when we have to wear three or four layers just not to die on our way to class? Or when we look out the window at 4 p.m. and see that it's already pitch black outside? Of course we do. Winter is terrible, especially in places like Rochester or Boston, or Minnesota. It's when these feelings of depression start to overtake your life that sad becomes a serious problem. I have not had sad in my entire life. In my 23 years of my first portion of my life, I was in California, and I really, it's hard to be sad in California with perpetually great weather. But when that clock change does hit in colder climates, it just tells me, that it's wintertime. But spring, I can't stand it. Springing ahead is too difficult. Two or even three weeks or four weeks or five weeks after losing that sleep, I still find myself exhausted. No matter how much rest I get, completely unable to concentrate and overly emotional and the angry side. I don't just sit there and cry over a broken nail. However, losing sunlight in the evening after falling back can be hard on some people, just as hard as spring. I experience the same symptoms in spring that most people do in fall or winter, but that's really what type of person are you, a sun person or a cloud person? Scientific studies have confirmed that my personal experience, a 2017 study from the University of Copenhagen, found that falling back was associated with an 11% increase in reports of seasonal depression. However, that spring also had a 12% increase in seasonal depression. Go spring, people. So why on earth do we still change our clocks twice a year? Money, money, money. It's always the answer, honey. Inertia is one likely reason. Once society gets used to a certain practice, it's hard to stop it. I don't think anyone will have a hard time stopping DST. It, 
implementing it is harder than stopping it. Trust me, let's give it a try and see how it works. Let's give it a try for 100 years and we'll go back to it if it's not working. But the largest reason that we still have DST is, of course, capitalism, pure and simple. In 1986, several corporate lobbies successfully extended DST from six months to seven months. The grill and charcoal industries claimed this would bring them an extra $200 million, and the golf industry estimated an extra $400 million. Michael Downing, author of Spring Forward, The Annual Madness of Daylight Savings Time, speculates that the candy lobby was partially behind the 2005 extension of DST to include Halloween on the basis that an extra hour of daylight for trick-or-treating would boost candy sales. The petroleum industry, too, stands to benefit from DST as an extra hour of sunlight in the evening encourages people to drive more and run their air conditioners for longer during the summer. This is not a new phenomenon. From the beginning, DST has been a mechanism to get people to spend more money. One of the first campaigns for DST was launched by the Boston Chamber of Commerce in 1917 as a way to increase retail spending during the extra hour of daylight. To this day, businesses bemoan the end of DST in fall and the 3.5% decrease in retail spending that it brings, and I can attest to this 100%. But you also have the 21 busiest shopping days of the year coming up in that quarter that more and make up for it. But yes, you do complain when you lose that hour. Seemingly forgetting that this slight slump in revenue will soon be followed, like I just said, the $23 trillion consumerist spendapalooza, which is also known as Christmas. The fact that, I'm sorry I said Christmas, the holidays, I don't want to get canceled. The fact that DST has lasted for over a century is truly absurd. Scientific studies have shown that the benefits of DST are mythological at best, and that the harm that DST brings is very real. Here's one of the things that we don't talk about. More daylight means less crime, wouldn't it? How many burglars are breaking in at 6.30 in the morning when people are waking up? The extra time would obviously lower crime. And there are plenty of things that we can go ahead and talk about that would be positively impacted that weren't mentioned here. Maybe you can think of some. Leave them below. We'll play a little game. Who can come up with the best? I hope that someday soon we will abolish DST once and for all. However, I do understand that our society today is facing some issues that are far, far more grave than DST, so I can be patient. Until then, you can find me huddled around my light therapy box, desperately trying to alleviate the symptoms of my sad. Just go ahead and open the country back up, and I think I'll get over it. Speaking of that, the anniversary of COVID, right back into another topic. It was one year ago today that President Donald Trump imposed the travel ban on most of Europe over the Wuhan coronavirus, also known as the China virus. The official kickoff of the dominoes falling that brings us to the point we are at now. There were a few actions that happened before the European travel ban, the China travel ban, the formation of the coronavirus task force, travel warnings, etc. But today is the anniversary of when those dominoes started to fall in quick succession. In the week that followed, the world was basically shut down. Emergencies were declared. Borders were closed. Economics and economies halted. Lives put on hold. Ultimately, it culminated in 15 days to flatten the curve. Through all of it over the past year, we've learned next to nothing. How many things have the experts gotten wrong in that time? It would be easier to ask what they've gotten right. A new virus started infecting humans. That's about it. Everything else has been contradicted at some point by the very people who made the original declarative statements. No one has been more all over the frickin' map in the last year than Dr. Anthony Fucky. Fauci, sorry. To mask or to not to mask is a question the highest paid person in our federal government hasn't bothered to ask himself. He's declared both 
this past year. No person has done more to damage the concept of experts than a doctor who likely hasn't treated an actual patient since finishing his residency in the late 1960s. He's a paper pusher, a bureaucrat, who reads about the work of others and decides if it's something others should do. And all of us are his lab rats. Under his leadership, or lack thereof, we've collected a pile of data during this pandemic that future generations will find almost useless. The collection of data is wildly important in matters like a pandemic because they do happen with some regularity. Few feature viruses as transmissionable or transmissible as COVID-19, but they do pop up all the time, collecting accurate information about the size and scope of a pandemic like this, as well as who was impacted and how severely and what worked and didn't is invaluable information for future generations. We don't have that. At least in any reliable form, the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, and Prevention set out guidelines that made it almost impossible to not die of COVID at the start of the pandemic. Everyone was going to die. If someone exhibited any symptoms that could be associated with the virus, hospitals were instructed to simply declare it to be so. How many terminally ill people who had the sniffles were declared COVID deaths? We will never know because people like Dr. Fauci didn't make it a priority to know. Testing was awful at the start, which is understandable since it was a new virus, but testing the dead should have been a top priority multiple times to make sure and gathering samples to test later. Figuring out what made COVID so deadly to some, whether or not that they are definitely shared characteristics rather than possible patterns would make a huge difference to the future and would have made a huge difference over the last year. Imagine if we had learned there were certain characteristics that made someone's risk significantly higher, not just weight or other com comorbidities, but something in the DNA or as simple as a blood type. We didn't gather that comprehensive data, so we don't know if it would have made a difference over the past year, and it won't make a difference the next time. It was a complete and total failure by the bureaucratic state. Maybe enough data will have been gathered at some sense can be made of it, but it's doubtful. Given how lockdowns didn't work, yet persist, and masks haven't worked, but mandates persist. No one in any position to take responsibility seems to have any interest in doing so. They're just committed to what hasn't worked until they're not. Then they act like it never happened as they move on to the next damn thing. I hope somewhere out there useful, usable data exists in spite of the bureaucratic incompetence that has been captaining this sinking ship for the last 12 months. Otherwise, we really would have gone through all of this and learned unequivocally absolutely nothing. Folks, that's my show tonight. Remember, you don't have to agree. You don't have to disagree. You might think I'm a righty. You might think I'm not a lefty. I don't really care. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. Leave a comment below. Tell me what you think. Tell me you love it. Tell me you hate it. Tell me why you disagree. Get into the fight. Get into the argument. I want your opinion. Actually, I don't. I just want you to throw me a like and a share and get me followed. So if you could do that too, I would really appreciate it. You can do that on YouTube in the little red envelope in the right-hand corner, or you can follow me on Facebook. Please throw me a bone here, people. I need to grow faster. You are the calcium to my bones. You are the sunlight to my plant. You are the little blue pill to my 1-800-273-8255. Press 1, Veteran Crisis Hotline. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It is way too many. We need to help them. We need to talk to them. We need to do whatever it takes. Kick, scratch, pull, yell, scream, hug, love, whatever it takes. Get them to talk. 
Get them to open up. It is the hardest thing you will ever do. If you need help, come to me. I'll make that call with you. It is one of the toughest things to do. But having a veteran lose their life and take their own life due to PTS, traumatic brain injury, anxiety, depression, et cetera, et cetera, is worse. If you can't make that call, go to my website, www.donunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL link. You'll be connected to a Skype live operator free of charge who will help you and that veteran make the right decision and get on the path to healing and recovery. It's possible. Trust me, I have seen it. Make that call. It's that important. And if you are not a military veteran and you are a civilian, they will help you too. That is the great thing about VCL. Folks, I am out with episode 117 tomorrow. That's right. 118 is on the way. I'm sure it will be fun. It is Red Friday. Please wear red tomorrow to remember everyone deployed. I am Audi 5000. I will see you tomorrow.